The Moten Mailbag is brought to you by the Robert Russo Moten Museum, located in Farmville, Virginia. The Moten Museum is a civil rights museum focusing on the history of Prince Edward County between 1951 and 1964. I'm Kanan, and this is season two, episode eight of the Moten Mailbag. I'm Irene. And I'm Leah. Alright guys, how was your Thanksgivings? It was, it was good. Um, not as eventful as it normally is with more family in town. <laughs> okay. uh, which is not bad, you know. It was nice quiet, which I appreciated. Made the mac and cheese. I like to think it turned out well. Very good, very good. So. Yeah, very different. I mean, being here in Virginia where cases for COVID-19 are looking the way they are, we opted to keep it very, very small and wear masks when we were eating, which is, is you know, just different. Um, good, you know, good to see family. You know, we made sure we were good a couple of weeks leading into it, but it's still just, it's just weird. It's just different. Yeah. Um, I went back home and I was like, okay, so my tasks are to make the sides. Also, oh, who else is home? Oh, we probably shouldn't meet up, should we? Oh, okay, I'll just text you. Mm-hmm. And we'll just call on the phone, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But so it was really low-key, but one day. Mm-hmm. I've appreciated, you know, as everyone is going home and visiting their families now that most students are back home for the semester. Everyone posting pictures with their dogs. Mm-hmm. That's been, it's been quite nice yeah. seeing all the dogs on social media. Yeah, I didn't think about that aspect of it. Like, if you've been on campus for mm-hmm. months and not mm-hmm. seen your puppetina, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, working, working adjacent to a college campus, I mean, the students were very much, you know, this is better than it was in the spring, certainly, but, like, going through the whole semester without any, like, break. It's a lot. It's been tough. Yeah. yeah. It's been tough on them, but, you know, they've been good and responsible, so I hope they are home and have a good, long break between now and January mm-hmm. and come yeah. back and... We can have an even better semester than we did this semester. Sounds good. Are you guys you ready? Let's kick it. Sure. Our first question. What happened to the teachers after the 1951 strike? So, to my knowledge, the one that I'm most familiar with, and I was actually talking with my family about this the other day, is a... Dorothy Vaughn, you know, eventually she leaves Farmville and goes to work for NASA and is part of the team that is responsible for helping to send the U.S. into space, which, you know, she was a high school math teacher and then she becomes one of the most important women that NASA's ever seen, which I always find to be so incredible because you know it just sort of speaks to the education level that the students here at Moton really were receiving. Yeah and I think Dorothy Vaughn's a great example to the quality of the level of teachers that they had here at at Moton High School which really made Prince Edward County and Moton High School different than, than many areas you know many of these teachers have master's degrees you know they were really highly educated you know really driving people many of which were qualified to teach at the college level um, and, you know, and Dorothy, I think, was really one of those early kind of mile markers and predecessors for these other great teachers who would come. You know, she leaves here 
around 1943 to go work at Langley, thinking it was going to be a wartime job, only temporary, but she stayed there and, and really made history, helped uh, men, men reached to move from, from the U.S., so, you know, kudos to her and other great quality level teachers here, here at Moton, but um, the big thing is most of them got fired, right? Like, you know, the strike happens and they just can most of them. Um, they couldn't exactly fire 500 students, right? You couldn't expel the whole student body. That would look not good. So they fired the teachers, they fired the administration, they fired the groundskeeping staff. You know, they terminated everybody because they couldn't exactly blame the students and they needed somebody to kind of be the, the sacrificial lamb, if, if, if you will. So they fire everybody, but, you know, I spoke about the quality to say that many of these teachers, you know, did not struggle in the slightest bit to find other jobs. You know, the community was probably worse off without them than they were without the school. So Boyd Jones, for instance, you know, he already had a master's in physics, I believe. He went off and got his doctorate and ended up teaching at uh, Norfolk State, I believe, for, for many years um, as in, in the math department in, in physics. And he was married to Inez Davenport Jones, who was the music teacher at Moton High School, who actually was the one who told Barbara Johns that she should stand up and do something about it. She was tired of the injustice. And so they settled in kind of in the Tidewater, you know, Norfolk, Newport News area, you know, were continued to be educators. So I said and he was only one example, but, you know, these teachers were not, you know, they, they were very qualified. So they found other jobs and other employment, but it's sad that we had to chase out some of our chase out. That's not what happened. But like that, that so many teachers got chased out of this community, mm-hmm. even though they didn't directly do anything wrong. Almost forced out. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And then the strike itself only lasted 10 days. So then like when the students came back into school, it's like, okay, what's next? What do we do next? And then I was looking up one of the teachers. Her her daughter was part of the strikes. She lost her job. Is Vera Allen. Mm-hmm. So you see, you know, the direct consequences of the strike, but like on a family level, like right. how do you deal with? Oh, you're the reason somebody justified firing your mom. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do with that? Well, those that was the students' worst nightmare, right? Like yeah. that's basically the last thing they wanted to happen, but. As essentially, they got to the point where it's like, well, we can't even survive making it to school in some context. You know, this is a month almost to the day after the bus accident happened. Five students were killed in an accident. They're like, we have to do something. It doesn't matter the consequences. We already are putting our lives at risk by riding these buses that break down all the time. Like, it has to be us. We have to take this into our own hands and, and do something about this. Because if we don't, nothing's going to change. So they decided, and, you know, unfortunately, there were there were consequences. Yeah. But I you know, say that to say some ended up working at working at NASA, some ended up being college professors, some ended up all over the place because these were super highly intelligent and motivated and very competent individuals who worked here at Moton High School. So next question, were there any other protests in Farmville? Yes. In 1963, the students were protesting downtown. They were protesting the school closings. Mm-hmm. The Board of Supervisors defunded the schools in 59. At that point in 63, students were fed up. They were like, look, mm-hmm. something needs to change. Um, in our galleries, we have a couple of protest signs. And you can, like, you see the, the students, the children who are impacted, who know what their rights, what they're entitled to as citizens, and what they're being denied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of them went to the March on Washington yeah. with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. So, not a protest in Farmville, but... They had a really big farm bill, like Prince Edward sign, like yeah. real clear where they're mm-hmm. from on a national scale, being like, hey, by the way, this is what's happening yeah. to us. And they're marching for integrated schools. Mm-hmm. 
here locally, there's been some, you know, recently some kind of some some demonstrations and yeah. organizing, you know, primarily kind of associated with Black Lives Matter and around kind of George Floyd murder and Breonna Taylor murder and 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 many of of the like. Um, more so, really recently, within the past three or four months, but uh, you know, certainly we've had peaceful kind of demonstrations and, and marches throughout the years kind of happening on anniversaries of events or mm-hmm. around other aspects of police brutality or mm-hmm. mass incarceration, things like that. Some we know about as a museum and institution, some, some that we don't. Uh, but, you know, mm-hmm. civic engagement, you know, protest, activism in that way is a very important part of, of our democracy. You know, it's mm-hmm. a constitutional right, and mm-hmm. we definitely support folks who want to go out and, and, and use that right and, you know, know that they're safe and respectful and researched and, you know, good in a good way. So, you know, probably will be more in the future, right? Yeah. You know, we are a civil rights museum mm-hmm. and we were started because of a protest. Certainly we want to see future protests, you know, if for a good cause. Yeah. All towards American democracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Guess that means we're going to the last question. Why don't more people know about the Love in School story? I think the simple answer for that one is it's just not being taught in our schools. I mean, growing up here in Farmville, it was sort of glazed over. I remember learning about it in fifth grade. That's my first sort of memory of learning about it was in fifth grade when some women who were directly affected... Um, came to my math class and spoke to us. Uh, yeah, I know, math class. Yes. It's not the class that... Hey, interdisciplinary. Yeah, I'm exactly. I'm with it. You know, um, and then in high school, in my AP Gov class, when we talked about Brown v. Board, it was, oh, hey guys, by the way, one of the cases, Davis versus Prince Edward County, that was, that's our Prince Edward County. All right, great. Next case. I was like, wait, <laughs> wait a second. That... That happened right down, right down the road. We're the the private school. We have a, a very direct link with this history. You know, I think it's just not being taught in schools, which is unfortunate. But Kanan, I know you've done some work recently to sort of help change that. Yes, 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 I have. So working with the that's a good, that's a fantastic segue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a shameless plug on my part. So working with the Virginia African American History Education Commission (AAHEC), uh, we did some work over this past year that you know COVID nineteen severely kind of impacted and, and delayed, but have been you know changes have been approved by the Board of Education. You know we spent the year rewriting essentially the standards of learning for. History, social science, and social studies, K-12, to be more reflective and inclusive of all Virginian history, primarily with the focus on African-American history, which certainly overlaps with indigenous and many other identity groups as well. But approved, you know, the changes were approved by the board, and, and I will say that, at least in the Commonwealth of Virginia, next year and kind of going forward, there will be much more increased focus on perspectives of all Virginians as opposed to certain Virginians. Now, to speak to the national context, I think the easiest way to get this story into the hands of many is to get the hidden figures treatment. You know, I think we need a feature film to be, and I, you've probably heard me say this on this before, on this podcast. I'm sure I have, but I will never stop saying it. <laughs> and in case Steven Spielberg or Jordan Peele or somebody's listening, right, and wants to make the movie, the story's there, right? You don't really have to make anything up. The story's there. There's plenty dramatic all on its own, mm-hmm. but we need a feature film to get us to 
really wider spread audience and kind of mainstream, um, whether it's Netflix or Amazon or movie theaters that are open back up wherever, right? Like I think a feature film would be the, the big key into the mainstream audience and getting people to really learn about this on a broader scale. Yeah. I mean, like going off of that, the storyline of itself. Yeah. Completely agree. You don't have to add any sparks or anything like that. This was enough. Mm-hmm. Enough. Like just focus on this one community and then the personal aspects of it. You know, the power of the museum to me is a personal story. So building a script around that is easy enough. If anything, they might have to remember the Titans it and like tone down some of the stuff because yeah. you know, especially if they want to Disney fi it or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I might have to cut that out. But I don't Disney sue me, but you know <laughs> they want it to be more family oriented, yeah, right? They sure. might have to cut some of it out, but like the stories there are such a rich, deep, mm-hmm. complicated story that that would I think it yield itself even if it's not a movie like a TV show would be a, a mini series. Yeah, like that would be like a docu, yeah. like a yes. mini like feature. Like Docu-series, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I think it would get it to the to the crowds a lot more than yeah. are already accessing it. And like with a miniseries, you could take the time to do in depth conversation. Yeah. And then you know, lower primary source, weave in those actual video we mm-hmm. have, and audio we have as well. So it's like a miniseries documentary type feel, but not quite. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Anything else real? All right. Well, be back with you same time, same place next week, Monday, which will be the first Monday of of recording in December, which is hard to believe. This year's zoomed. Yeah, simultaneously been yeah. Mm -hmm. It's been (laughs) twenty years in one year, and it's also been twenty minutes. So twenty twenty. Yeah. Really wish I I did that on purpose. (laughs) If you have any other questions. Info at MoatMuseum.org or DM us on social media. See you next week. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.